Dynamic Form, Australia's most in-depth form guide powered by Dynamic Odds. Every runner, every meeting across Australia, New Zealand, Hong Kong, Singapore and other international jurisdictions. Personalise the form to suit you. Predictive rating for every runner. A comprehensive horse search database, speed maps, black books so you never miss a future winner. Dynamic Form and Dynamic Odds, the best combination in racing. Log on to www.dynamicform.com.au for a free meeting today. You are listening to Racing Nation and our thanks to Dynamic Form. Let's have a look at our ratings review and preview. We review the horses to follow from last week's racing and preview some of the big ones that are on this weekend. The man just to do the job for us from Dynamic Form, Jack Smallhorn. How are you? Hey, James. I'm good. Thanks for the smallest board of racing we've got on this weekend. It's going to be an absolute beauty. Money galore if you're good enough to have a horse running for some of the incredible prize money. Yeah, no, you just, yeah, imagine five years ago, you'd never think that um, you'd have a 20, you know, a race worth 20 million and then there's a, a race on the undercard worth five. It's just, um, yeah, ridiculous, honestly. But yeah, great time to own a racehorse, that's for sure. It is, it is. Well, let's see if we can help the punters find a few winners on the program. First of all, the intel from last week. So we start our segment each week, of course, with the review. A great weekend of racing last weekend. What do we take out of that? Yeah, well, we had the, the Turnbull Stakes last weekend, and we, we said last week that this is sort of the, you know, the go time, or this is when the spring carnival really starts, the footies over, and, and this Turnbull Stakes, uh, yeah, it lived up to... Um, to um, you know, all the excitement with a fantastic race. Gold Trip produced a scintillating change of speed from the back of the field to round his rivals up easily at the 200 metres and then just powered away to um, E1 going away there. So it was really patient ride from Zara there. He just sort of let him lob along out the back and um, yeah, he obviously knew what he had under him because he, he just brought him to the outside and he picked him up very easily. He's run a 66, which is the second highest rating of his career. Uh, the highest rating he ran was... In last year's Melbourne Cup, he ran a 66 and a half, so just a half point off that Melbourne Cup win last year, uh, which you know obviously has him right on target for another crack at the Cups this year. The runner-up, West Wind Blows, he was the run of the race for mine. I know you know Gold Trips won impressively, but this West Wind Blows, the import was enormous in defeat. Um, yeah, Jamie Spencer just got a little bit lost there first. I don't know, he, he it can happen a little bit, but. He, uh, he got caught wide and then eased back and then couldn't get in, so he, he sent it forward around the field and he just did a, he had a torrid run and, and covered a stack of ground. But um, yeah, at the at the 200 metres he was he was still fighting with them all, and then the last 100 metres he was sort of getting away from the rest of the field, you know, behind Gold Trip. So he, his run was huge. As long as that hasn't flattened him uh, for the Caulfield Cup, yeah, I think he's, he's going to be a really, really strong chance in that race. So, uh, yeah, I, I was really impressed with the run of West Wind Blows. Solcombe, he, he ran another good race, but his barrier manners are just really costing him at the moment. He missed the start by another length or two and, and you know, really had the job ahead from there. But he is ticking over nicely for the Cups where he gets in nicely uh, at the weights being a handicap, but he just, he needs the sort out. I know it's, you know, not as big an issue over 2,400 metres or 3,200 metres, but he's just he's just costing himself, giving himself no chance of um, getting into a positive spot. So, yeah, if he jumps with them one day, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see him win a big race. And the favourite, uh, Romantic Warrior, I thought he was very flat. We are keen to take him on at the short quote, and um, I was a bit concerned in the run because McDonald, doing McDonald things, has just lobbed him straight behind the speed from a wide gate, um, travelled beautifully into the race, but... 
when he asked him to quicken it, you know, the 300 metres or the 350 metres, there, there wasn't a lot there. He only battled away. So, you know, I, I can't see how he's still um, a $4.60 chance in the Cox Plate. That, that's crazy odds for mine. So he, he might improve with the run, and they're all saying he needed the run, but he'd have to pr- improve you know, three or four lengths off that to to be winning a Cox Plate or even be, you know, fighting out the finish in a Cox Plate. So, yeah, no, I'm, I'm going to probably be taking him on you know, in a few weeks in the Cox Plate again. Uh, Luna Flair, she was lovely from the back turn in a great Melbourne Cup trial. She obviously missed the race last year. She had a, a late issue and had to come out of the race. So she's ticking over for the Melbourne Cup um, really nicely. She got a long way back but caught the eye over the last 200 metres and, and was running right through the line. And I thought uh, Francesco Guardi and Spanish Mission also um, turned in solid performances as they looked to you know, be better suited in the in the handicaps and uh, over a bit further, 2,400 metres. So, yeah, this Caulfield Cup is um, it's shaping up to be a really interesting race this mm. year with a couple of these imports have um, had runs here and, and look to be going well. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm sort of, if you had to, you know, get a tip from me now, I'm probably leaning the way of West Wind Blows, but, yeah, a horse like Sulcombe and then um, a horse we might talk about shortly in the Hill Stakes, coming out of the Hill Stakes, um, who you mail, you know, they look good chances as well. So you're looking forward to that Caulfield Cup, uh, which is next Saturday. Yeah, um, seven days' time. Or, yeah. Or from Saturday anyway. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't stop. Uh, the uh, the Hill Stakes, it was yeah, great to see Montefilia back to her best in the Hill Stakes. And we were sort of hoping Nash could could get the best out of her. And, and luckily, that's the way it turned out. It was a brilliant ride. Uh, she found herself in a little bit of a tricky spot, worse than midfield on the fence. But, yeah, Nash was just able to pick his way through the field. And then when she got clear running 250 metres from home, she absolutely powered to the line and, and ran over the top of them. Uh, she's recorded a rating of 61.5. So she's actually run a better figure than that uh, on seven occasions in her career. So she wasn't at her brilliant best, but it was it was still a very classy win all the same. And, um, yeah, obviously she's... Um, you know, she's not far off her best and, and can run well again in, in whatever she tackles during the spring. Who you now, as I've just said, um, I'll be following in this campaign and I thought his run was full of merit. He had to do a little bit of work to sit up outside the leader and, and sprint it away, turning for home. I thought, oh, geez, you're going to be very, very hard to catch here with Bontefilia buried back in the field. But um, she obviously got him late. I don't think he was stopping through the line, though. It was more a matter of Bontefilia really picking up and surging past him. So... Yeah, if he goes to the Caulfield Cup next Saturday with, you know, 53 kilos on his back, uh, he's obviously got that racing style where he can get up on the speed. Yeah, he's going to be far from the roughest. I think he's about a $15 chance. So he, he's you know, definitely a live chance in a, in a Caulfield Cup, I think. Uh, protagonist ran well for third. He, he was just ridden for luck back towards the fence and he got stuck racing a bit tight uh, at about the 350. But when he got clear, he hit the line nicely over that mile 200 metres as well. So he's definitely on target for you know one of those second tier races. Uh, and the other one out of the race was no compromise who settled out the back and, and still had them all ahead of him uh, straightening. But he, he really rattled through the field as well and, and caught the eye late. So... Uh, he's probably not one of the top-level stayers, but uh, looks close to another win. He's definitely going well. Maybe maybe a race like the Mooney Valley Cup or something in a, in a couple of weeks' time uh, might be a nice target for him. But, yeah, I like the Hill Stakes. I, I know Montefiore's run better figures than that uh, in the past, but she had a bit to overcome there, coming from back in the field and having to weave through the uh, through the pack. Um, so, yeah, I like the race. I, I think it's a pretty good race, and I'd, I'd be following who you're now on the race too, I think, 
he can run a nice race in the Caulfield Cup. And the Niverson, well, this is a, a really tactical affair. Um, we had it down to a two-horse race, and, and that's sort of the way it panned out with Magic Time, bounced to the front, found the rail, and then Zach Lloyd on Paracel wanted to force the issue and, and you know try and take the lead off him. So he was able to get three-quarters of a length in front, uh, Lloyd on Paracel, but Nash just wouldn't give up that rail on Magic Time. And the pair sprinted away uh, early in the straight, but holding that fence just gave Magic Time, you know, that bit of ascendancy, and, and she came away and won the race really well. Um, he had a big day out on Saturday, Nash, but it, for mine, this was the ride of the day. You see, so often, you know, if there's a bit of pressure on, um, jockeys are so quick to give up that lead on the fence, and a lot of the time they just get stuck behind, you know, the leader and, and find a bit of trouble. So I really like Nash being positive there. Held the, uh, didn't give up the rail, held the fence, kicked up on the turn, and, and she was far too good late. Um, Magic Time has run a 62 and a half, which is a clear career peak and a, and a very high rating for a Group Three race. So. That suggests that she can measure up in Group 1 level um, when they decide to test her. I don't know if it's this campaign or, or next, but she looks a Group 1 mare for sure. And Parasol was, was brave in second. Um, yeah, just have to use up too much petrol from that wide gate. And then in the middle stages, when Lloyd had a crack for the lead and couldn't get it, um, yeah, it, it sort of really hurt her chances there. But she ran really well and fought on well. So in a high-rating race, um, her effort was full of merit. And, yeah, they're tef- definitely two up-and-coming mares and two mares that I think can be competitive in Group 1 races over the next few seasons. They were a long way, you know, a class above the rest. But um, I thought Dalcini and, and Cordai both, both turned in pretty good performances to finish third and fifth respectively. Um, I could back their next start if they, they found an easier race um, in Sydney somewhere. So, yeah, I, I, a really interesting day's racing. I, if there's one horse I want to follow out of it, it's probably Magic Time. I know it's sort of the obvious, but, yeah, they don't normally run ratings of 62.5 in, in Group 3 races. So that um, definitely suggests that she can she can go to the top level. All right, so Magic Time will be the one for us to follow, but definitely quite a few out of that. And like you mentioned, the form from a lot of those races. And traditionally, it's always been that way. It's key to, to many of the big ones going forward, whether they be Caulfield Cups, Cox Plates, Mini Valley Cups, you name it. There's going to be some pretty good form references that certainly does come out of that meeting. So some good intel to take forward there for the punters. All right, well, let's preview what's happening this weekend. And, well, what isn't happening this weekend between Melbourne and Sydney There's just crackerjack racing wherever you look. We might go to Melbourne first of all. The big one of the day there is the Neds Caulfield Guineas. It's a Group 1, of course, for the three-year-olds over the mile. Time-honoured race, great race, and great horses have won this race. And again, we are presented with a very interesting edition of the Guineas and, as always, a lot of different form lines to try and dissect here. So very interesting to hear what the Dynamic Form Ratings tells us about this year's edition of the Guineas. Yeah, it's an in- intriguing addition of the Guineas this year. We've got the Star Colt from Sydney, militarised, taking on the unbeaten Star from Victoria in Stepati. I think from a speed perspective, I think they'll go along at a pretty good speed here, which will give both these Star Colts uh, their chance. I'm expecting Rock Empire to find the front on the rail with Lindbergh, uh, Griff and Vidad all looking to be keen and trying to you know, find that spot outside the leader. So that should generate a little bit of pressure. Uh, and I think V8 looks likely to land in the box seat from the inside gate. So, yeah, with that um, good speed, I'm, I'm happy to be with um, Militarise. He's come out on top on our ratings. Um, he's a two-time Group 1 winner as a two-year-old and, and looks to have gone to another level in his uh, three-year-old season. His win in the Golden Rose was unbelievable given the amount of trouble he found in the race and, and the position he was in with 150 to go. 
uh, yeah, he, he sort of got up off the canvas to win that race, and it was a sensational win. I really like the fact that he's drawn out here. I know gate 12 doesn't look that you know, good at first look, but he's the sort of horse that just needs a lot of room, and um, he doesn't want his momentum stopped. Like, you know, he, he got out of trouble in the Golden Rose, but it was far from ideal having to stop and start a couple of times in the straight. So I think from gate 12... He can probably find a back to follow three wide somewhere, and, and if he gets an uninterrupted, uninterrupted, um, uninterrupted crack at them down the straight, um, yeah, I think he's just going to run over the top of them. He is a, a quality colt, and I think he can get the job in the guineas. The other thing is he on the handicap ratings, he, he should be you know giving these horses six kilos at least. I mean, some of them he should be giving fifteen kilos down the bottom of the weight. So his um his handicap ratings are hundred and six or hundred, uh, it might be hundred and eight where, um. Yeah, the second uh, horse in the race, uh, Little Bros, he's he's a 96 rider, so that's six kilos that he should be getting off military. So under the set weight conditions, he's absolutely thrown in here, and he just needs a little bit of luck in the run to find a back from gate 12, um, and I think he can get the job done. We've got him rated a $1.80 chance, so mm-hmm. the $2.90 currently on offer is uh, more than acceptable for us, so happy to take that price. Um, yeah, I'm beating Victorian Colts. The party does look to be a danger. He controlled the speed and dashed away when asked to win the Mackenzie uh, Stakes first up. And then, geez, it was a big win last time. He, he just got stuck in no man's land out wide and had to call on all of his fighting qualities to overcome that tough run and win the, Gilly, the Guineas Prelude uh, a few weeks ago. So I've got no doubt he's a, he's a quality Colt, but I've just got him a touch behind militarised at this stage, and, and that's what our ratings say. King Colorado, he, he rounds out our top three. He ran well against the older horses in the Wink Stakes first up and then chased solidly uh, to finish midfield in the Golden Rose behind Militarized last start. I am expecting him to improve um, from that Golden Rose when he just looks like he's crying out for a mile and I think he finds a nice spot here from um, probably midfield from a, from a middle draw. So, yeah, I'm expecting him to, you know, run a couple lengths better than he did in the in the Golden Rose, uh, but I don't think he can turn the tables on militarised. So, yeah, we've got militarised winning the course of Guineas, and hopefully we can see him then tackle the um, the older horses in the Cox Plate because that'll mm. add a, a lot of interest to that race. So I think this horse is, um, yeah, he, he could be the next sort of star of the Australian turf. So let's hope he gets the job done. Militarise on top to take out the Guineas there, race nine, number one. Let's head across to Sydney, another big 10 race card from Sydney, headlined by the Tab Everest, over 1,200 metres, $20 million in prize money is up for grabs. It's talked about all year round, so horses in, horses out, injuries, things that have occurred here and there. So uh, the field that we have uh, ended up with is before us, and again, it does look a very competitive edition of the Everest. Ratings form, what does it tell us about the big one? Yeah, the seventh running of the Everest, and it, it shapes another cracking race. Maybe not, you know, the, the highlight horse that we've seen in the last, you know, few years, but and with Giggy Kick going out, that, that probably hurt the, the race a little bit. But it's a great betting race, and there's a stack of chances here. Um, a lot of different ways you can look at look at the race. I think the big factor this year is the lack of speed that, that's engaged at it sort of sounds stupid to say, given they're you know twelve of the best sprinters in the country, but there's no real natural leaders. Only, or sorry, only Overpass is is the one that that looks the natural leader. I think they'll probably push forward on alcohol free and try and find a spot outside Overpass. But yeah, I think Overpass um, jumps, leads, and, and and is able to dictate the pace. Cylinder and think about it should get nice runs behind the speed. They've both drawn well in gate four and five, so. Yeah, they look to get every chance and, um, yeah, should get a nice run behind the pace. 
the barrier draw definitely wasn't kind of our top peak, uh, our top pick. I wish I would win, um, but we've got him top rated in the Everest this year. He returned in great style uh, when the close-up third behind Mr. Brightside in the Nemzi Stakes a month ago, and that was probably one of the highest rating races we've had so far this spring. And then put the you know, add to that that he ran a 69 and a half when he won the TJ Smith over this track and distance in April. Um, yeah, he's he's got the figures on the board to to say he's going to run very well in this race. The inside gate is the issue. It could get a little bit messy for him. It looks like he's probably going to settle three back the fence, um, maybe at best. Um, and it could be a little bit of a sit sprint affair there with, with overpass dictating from in front. So he's going to need a great steer from Nolan and a, and a couple of slices of luck in the run. But for, for a horse of his quality, I think, you know, he's going to get out to a good price for us to find out. He was $4.20 prior to the barrier draw on Tuesday night and he's done nothing but drift since during gate one. So you can get 5.50 now, but if you're going to back him, I'd be waiting until, you know, jump time because I think he could get out to, um, you know, around $6.57. And, and I think that's a great price for a horse of his quality. So we'll go his way and just hope for a bit of luck from the inside gate. Think about it. It's our second pick. His record speaks for itself. He only won the Premier Stakes narrowly first up, but geez, he showed great fight. I, I thought Hawaii Fimo was going to go straight past him, but when he saw him, he, he really dug in again and lifted and, and just wouldn't let him get past. So, um, yeah, just to hang on and win that race. So I, I think the thing out of the Premier Stakes as well, he, given he already had the slot in the Everest, he, he, there's no way he was going to be fully wound up for that Premier Stakes. He would have only been 95 or, yeah, sorry, 90 or 85% fit. So I'm expecting him to prove, improve a couple of lengths out of that race and obviously be very hard to beat here from a, from a perfect barrier draw. And the horse that we've spoken about that the race looks to set up perfectly for is Overpass. He should just jump straight to the front from gate two and, and get, you know, his own way in front. He's capable of running ratings around the mid-60s um, and he's suited going to this race a month between runs as his you know, best performances have been fresh. So, yeah, if they leave him alone, he's definitely going to look for the winner at some stage in the straight. But I'm just hoping that I wish I win can get off his back weight and um, and monster him in the run of the line. But uh, yeah, plenty plenty of chances. You can, I mean, Buenos Noches is going really well. Uh, I, I think In Secret is a is a huge price. I know she's drawn gate twelve, but she, she's a she's a massive price at twenty one dollars if she can have a uh, get a little bit of luck. And, and then the three olds as well, Cylinder and. And Shinzo, it's a great race for a three-year-old. And, you know, I think, um, you know, Shinzo's running the golden race. She, he had excuses there. And um, Cylinder obviously ran a terrific race in, in, in the golden race. So, yeah, a heap of different angles. But we're going to trust, you know, the, the tried and tested and, and go with I wish I'll win on the back of those big figures that he's run in the past and hope he can get a bit of luck from the inside gate to win the Everest. Number one, I wish I win to take out the Everest. What about race nine on the card? The King Charles stakes over the mile. Group one, wait for age, $5 million in prize money. And this is a terrific race as well. So a lot of interest around this one and a lot of different form lines again here, both locally and internationally to throw into the mix. So from a ratings point of view, what do we know about the King Charles yeah, well, this is the old George Main Stakes that they've uh, renamed and moved to Everest Day and then thrown, you know, a decent prize money bump to get it to $5 million. So it looks like it's on the trick because um, it's attracted, a, a, you know, the best miles in the country. Um, and, and, you know, <laughs> I, can, I can probably say it to you, but I think this is probably um, becoming Australia's best race day just because you're not from Victoria, I can say <laughs> that. But, um, 
Yeah, it's, it's just a fantastic race day, and this has been a great addition to the program. Our speed map's got Zaki and Golden Mile rolling forward. Um, not a heap of speed here, so I think, you know, whoever finds the front there can probably dictate. Epsom winner, uh, Redemir, looks to get the box seat again, like he did in the Everest, and, um, uh, sorry, in the Epsom, and I think probably Mr. Brightside. I, I'd look, I think they're going to be positive on him and, and try and send him forward and see if they can slot in somewhere behind the speed as well from gate eight. So obviously it's very hard to go past Mr. Brightside again. He's he's gone to another level this time in and announced himself as, as the country's best weight for age galloper. Um, certainly, you know, up to a mile. Um, he hasn't quite kicked that, uh, kicked that 2,000 metre box yet. But yeah, over a mile, he's definitely the best galloper um, that we've got in the country. He toyed with alligator blood in the McKinnon, uh, Maccabi Diva stakes last start. And then obviously we saw Alligator Blood come out and, and win the Underwood impressively since. So that form looks very good. I think we mentioned a few weeks ago that his ratings in Melbourne have been probably two to three lengths clear of what Fangirl, Zaki and Think It Over have been running in Sydney. So I'd be pretty surprised if any of them could beat him. I know he's got to go to their sort of backyard now and, and go to Sydney, but he's, he's two from two at Ramwick, it's not going to pose any problems for him. So, yeah, I'd be surprised if um, Fangirl, Zaki or Think It Over could beat uh, Mr. Brightside here. There are a couple of wild cards. Um, Light Infantryman brings some some world-class form lines into this. He's been Group 1 placed on four occasions in Europe, including twice behind arguably the best, uh, the world's best miler in, in Spiral. So we know those European horses and their form is just far superior to ours once you know the races get over 1,600 metres and further. So, yeah, I think um, he's a definite threat. The other thing about him is he's already been to um, Sydney before. He ran sixth in the Golden Eagle last year, beaten two lengths by behind I Wish I Win. And he didn't have the clearest passage in the straight that day. He probably should have finished a little bit closer. So, yeah, I think if Mr. Brightside is to get beaten or have an off day, uh, light infantry men might be the one to knock him off. Um, it was a shame to see Kovalika draw off the track. He, he ran really well in the Epsom a fortnight ago, and he's got a stack of improvement in him. I, yeah, I, I think he's ready to run a huge race here and, and a career peak, but that wide gate has really hurt his chances. So maybe might have to wait for him for another day. But, um, yeah, I, I think Mr. Brightside wins. And, you know, if something, you know, he's, he's a little bit off his game or, or something jumps out of the you know, out of the pack, I think it'll be this lightning for two man. So I'm going to make Mr. Brightside the main play and, and have a good bet on him. But I want to save on light infantry man just in case, um, you know, those European form lines do look very strong and, and he brings a little bit of X factor to this race. So if he wins, I don't want to lose on the race. So we'll save on him. But, yeah, we're in Mr. Brightside's corner for the King Charles Stakes. All right, so that's a look there at the big one there. What's the best of the weekend? Oh, hard. Um, Everest is a hard race to be overly confident. I, I do think Militarise will win the guineas. I know he's, he's uh, $2.90 or something. probably doesn't take a genius to tell you he's a good chance there, but I think he um, he could be a really serious horse going forward. And as I say, I'm hoping he wins the Corfu guineas and then he can, you know, I've got him running a really big race in the Cox Plate. All right, so we'll make it the best. It's militarised there in the Guineas. And now, as you mentioned, Dynamic Form. If you jump on to the website, dynamicform.com.au, have a look around there, see what it's all about. And, and that's what it is about, Jack, isn't it? People can have a look. They can see what they can use it for, how they can tailor it to suit whatever their level of punting is. Yeah, that's it. It's your own personal uh, racing database where you can throw in your 
your horse notes and race notes and you've got all your ratings which are fully adjustable to um you know so you can adjust them to to suit your factors uh so yeah that's your dynamic form and then obviously dynamic odds is part of the bundle as well where you can um you know make sure you get the best price with with um your bookmaker so um yeah there's obviously no better time to jump on now than you know we're just about to hit the pointy end of the spring carnival so yeah it's um full steam ahead and, and hopefully everyone enjoys the the platform Yep, dynamicform.com.au. Jump on to the website and uh, see why it is Australia's uh, number one form of guide for all levels of punters. Well, Jack, as always, thanks for joining us on the program and hopefully we've helped provide the punters with a bit of intel to find a few winners. Thanks, James. No worries. Good punting.